This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hom Sarab to our listeners. Welcome to Saturday News number 902. As you know, last week we were hearing uh, part one on bhajans. The uh, Prasanthi Sai Bhajan Group visited the USA and they had a number of sessions all over USA. So today we'll listen to part two. Let's get into it straight away. Sarab. thinking what is going to happen to my bhajans after some years don't worry my students are going to come and they will lead my bhajans and there will be so many students many will not get the chance to sing also in front of me and this took mr eradi by surprise and he thought this is way back before even the concept of a university existed in prashantalyam there was no student was there a veda patishala at that time probably probably and veda patishala but they were far from being singers so mr eradi was thinking okay those are those boys who can chant some vedam they can't sing where are these students that swami is talking about you know i when he was uh, eradi sir was recounting the story i told him i said sir obviously swami is words came true students came and so many students came so many singers came i was telling him how the same shivratri bhajans they were about when i was a student there were about 45 singers in the student community 45 singers and 
I didn't get a chance to sing in front of Bhagwan because there were so many singers and Swami would sit only for a you know couple of hours in the evening and a couple, an hour max in the morning. I didn't get a chance to sing and look at it. That's exactly what Swami had told him. Swami had said there will be so many singers that they won't get chance to sing. And at that time when there were four of them, they were thinking, what are you talking about? We are here singing the whole night. Who's going to come and and there are going to be so many people that they won't have chance to sing. And yes, we did come and so many students and even now we have so many singers in the student community. Not everybody gets a chance to sing. So Swami had, you know, imagine the prophetic vision that he had. He knew way back in the 60s what he was going to do much later, 20 years later and he could tell them what things are going to be like in the days to come. In fact, now in the student community, we are singing in pairs. We don't sing alone. When Siddhartha was talking about his time, they were at least, we were singing alone, but now we are singing together and still some boys don't get a chance during Shivaratri and Akhanda Bhajan to sing in front of uh, Swami. So, so how did the bhajans evolve in the student community? Uh, to begin with, uh, like brother just mentioned, there were these elders who were singing, but uh, somewhere in the 80s when students, the student, the, the university began and the students started coming in, they would just be singing the bhajans which we know that have always been handed down from generation to generation. I believe one particular year, some of the students were going back home for a vacation and Swami said, uh, what are you doing in a vacation? Said, Swami, we are going back uh, home. They lived in the northeastern parts of India. Swami said, on your way, why don't you stop at Calcutta and meet such and such a person and why don't you learn a few bhajans and come? So they took Swami's instructions. They went to this devotee who stayed in Calcutta. They learned bhajans from him and they came back the next year and they sang those bhajans. This went on the next year as well. The third year, Swami said, so what are you doing for your vacations? He said, Swami, we are going to Calcutta, we'll learn bhajans and then we'll go home. Swami said, why, why don't you compose? And that started the next phase of Sai bhajans where students started composing. And that we can say is the golden period of Sai Bhajans because in that period between 80s, in, in the 80s, most of the Bhajans that we sing today, about 90% of the Bhajans that we sing today were composed in that period by the students who studied there and they say, those elder brothers say, there would be pressure from Swami, there is no new Bhajan today. So every day they would have to go back and think up of Bhajans and compose and come back the next day and Swami would wait for them to come the next day with new Bhajans. And you know, so it, it, that's the kind of encouragement and that's how he gradually trained the students to take over and start composing and eventually he left that legacy to the students and said, here you go. So Prashant and Bhajans will be led by the student community. And some of these students were not musicians by, by you know, any, uh, any distance. Uh, some of them were just tabla players, they are not even tabla players, they just knew how to play the duffli. They got on, Swami gave them a tabla set and said, okay, learn tabla and start playing the tabla. In fact, a tabla player would compose bhajans. And they were very good bhajans, which we sing even till today. And we had so many beautiful bhajans which came up during that period, which you know all of us love nowadays. Anupama Sundara, Tumaho Vigna Vinasha, um, Sai Ram Sai Sham, oh, I mean, Sesha Sai Lavasa. Hundreds of bhajans that you can think of, they all came during that period. And what was so beautiful is, Swami would call this little group of uh, bhajan boys into the interview room and as Siddhartha was saying, Swami would ask them, what is the new bhajan for today? Sing it before me. He would make them render the bhajan in the interview room before him and make corrections or be happy with it so that they could go outside and render it again for him. You know, that was the amount of love and concern with which he has brought up this bhajan group. 
and the first dholak the first tabla said the first khanjira the first talam everything swami himself has given to the students and said okay bring up this legacy so what is the uniqueness of sai bhajans other than the fact that the lord himself started it swami says that there are four types of sankirtana swami says there is nama sankirtana guna sankirtana leela sankirtana and bhava sankirtana so for example if you if you look at all the saints and whatever they have composed they will probably come under one of these categories nama sankirtana is basically about singing the lord's name so all of these four types of sankirtana find its expression in sai bhajans so while uh, probably the maharashtrian saints you know tukaram and namdev and eknath they focused on nama sankirtana someone like tyagaraja was about bhava sankirtana or guna sankirtana someone like mirabai or surdas was all about bhava which is you know pouring out their uh, their heart to the lord leela uh, and leelas also like rasa leela and you know thumaka chalate ramachandra it's talking about you know how the lord walked just imagine while all of these specialized in one one types of sankirtana here was swami telling you pick up any type and it is acceptable to me and sai bhajans have all of these genres put into one probably in one bhajan itself you will have all the four types of sankirtanas so if these are the four different types of sankirtanas which come out through sai bhajans there is another way of looking at sai bhajans and which is through genres so we have several different types of genres uh, you know in music and sai bhajans are able to even have all of the genres built into one so let's very quickly give you a one one line example of the different genres so for example let us take carnatic music you know uh, what would be a bhajan how does carnatic music look through uh, sai bhajans so something like uh, amba shankari you know the very very typically uh, carnatic uh, bhajan amba shankari परमेश्वरी शशि शेखरी अंबेश्वरी जगदीश्वरी माहेश्वरी अंबा अंबशंकरी हिंदुस्थानी घन घन नीला वदन अति सुंदर मेघ श्यामलाधव मोरहर मेघ or there could be uh, someone who's not capable or not trained in both neither carnatic nor 
Hindustani, someone like me, also find some light bhajans, what we call light bhajans, which doesn't have necessarily any grounding with either of these schools of music. any you know touches which require you to know either school of music uh, we we all like some of us you know we are neither uh, fully classical but we also want to sing classical so there is a genre called the semi classical so what would be a bhajan uh, you know in the semi classical version uh, which is a little difficult but not does not require you to you know know either uh, style of music so something like uh, ragukula bhushana ragukul bhushan rajivanayana ragukul bhushan rajivanayana ishwaram vanandana satya sai rama ishwaram vanandana yeah and then some of us may relate to this form of Indian music called ghazals you know they are very soft lilting some of them have a lot of classical music in it and they are pretty much all over the place yeah pretty much all over the place they are complicated in a sense uh, but also very pleasing to the to the ear kamal and appreciate we can't sing like that no, it is probably an example of kirtana not sankirtana so because yeah we have, like we were saying an example of sankirtana or sai bhajan is not for people to go wow but it should be for people to follow but yeah maybe a toned down version of this is uh, a ghazal style yeah of course there is the uh, western chord based bhajans as well so many of our bhajans also have incorporated western chord uh, sequences for example Shambho Mahadeva Shiva Shambho Mahadeva Shambho Mahadeva Shiva Shambho Mahadeva 
So you can actually go into a lot of technicalities, but probably the crux of Sai Bhajan's is, you know, in in what Swami says in Bharata, it's not the raga or the tala, but it is the bhava. Okay, that is what differentiates, or that should differentiate Sankirtana from every other type. And so let us just spend a few minutes on bhava. I'm, and in fact, many sisters were also asking, brothers were also asking, how do we actually, you know, get bhava into our bhajan? We all love to, you know, spend a lot of time in technicalities. We listen to a lot of good singers. We want to pick up this, pick up that. But I think one thing that we cannot pick up from somewhere outside, and it has to come from within us, is bhava. And that is what Swami wants. Because outside, Swami would say is bahya priya. Swami says, I am not bahya priya. I am bhava priya. That which comes from inside. Right? We were just telling some of the young adults yesterday, you know, when somebody asked how to choose bhajans, we were telling them, right, that so your place in the heaven is not decided by the complicated nature of the bhajans that you choose. Okay, means if you choose a more complicated, means like someone, then someone like Ravi sir is alone guaranteed to go to, you know, heaven. <laughs> so now I have no guarantee. <laughs> you know, probably some, only like MS Subalakshmi and Lata Mangeshkar, only they can go to heaven. Not possible. I mean, doesn't make sense, right? So Swami is looking at our bhava. How do we, how do we actually, uh, you know, inculcate bhava, the proper bhava while singing? Swami says that, while you may have any amount of food, all of that food makes, uh, you know, it becomes, gets its taste only when you add salt to it. Otherwise, all other food is bland. Food without salt does, is, you cannot call it food at all. You may have any amount of, you know, olive oil, this oil, this parmesan cheese or cheddar cheese or whatever you add to it. If there is no salt to the food, Swami says, Bhajans without bhava is like food without salt. Okay, it, you can decorate it as much as you want, but it is tasteless for the Lord. And we are giving it, these bhajans are our offering to the Lord uh, for as his naivedyam, right? So, uh, bhava is that important. But Swami also says, all these songs or all these offerings are like the, are like the flowers in the garland. But you can't make a garland without a thread. You need something to string it all together. Swami says, Bhava is that thread which strings things together to make a garland which is worthy of offering to the Lord. So you cannot see the thread. You can see only the flowers. So you, so the outside world will only be able to see the, you know, the gamakas and our raga and tala. But the garland knows that it is being held together only because of the thread. And that is the Bhava inside. So what are the different ways in which we can get Bhava? Uh, one very simple but very powerful uh, technique is this visualization. If I can just request brother to, so we have just put together, you know, you know this particular, uh, you know, uh, tool, and you could probably do that in the mind's eye, or you can, because of technology today, you can even have that. So, what is visualization? Is your ability to pictureize, you know, the name and the form of the Lord as you are singing it. So let us take a bhajan like Jai Kailashapati Shiva Shankar. So I'll request. Um, our brother to sing and you know just pay attention not to us but to the screen behind us okay and we have just put together a visualization uh, for you on this particular bhajan called Jai Kailashapati Shivashankar so imagine for a moment as you are watching that in the mind's eye all of us let us transport ourselves to Kailash and that is Kailash for you behind okay the resident of that is Lord Shankara Lord Shiva himself 
and this bhajan is in propitiation to this lord so we have trekked all across for several days and we are finally at the foothills of kailash and the heart says jay kailash pate shiva shankar and along with the lord is the mother and oh lord we are so happy that you have come all the way from kailash to be our sai our sai shiva parteeshwar sai shiva shambho Oh Lord, you are the Lord of all the mountains. The entire Himalayas belong to you. Shailesvar Karuna Mai Shankara. You are the repository of the entire cosmos, and you have shown it to us. We have seen it with our own eyes, emerging from within you. Lingo. You are the one who holds the Trishula, which stands for the Triguna, the Trimurti, and the Trikala. Trishula Jata Dhar Ganga Dhari. You hold Mother Ganga in your locks, and just for the sake of all us mankind, you have taken. the hala hala or the poison you have drunk that hala hala dhar shambho we pay our obeisance to you o mother and father sambasada shiva shambho परतीश्वर साई शिव शंभो वेलकम बैक टू एलए आई एम श्योर नन ऑफ यू वांट टू कम बैक राइट ऑल ऑफ अस वांट टू बी देयर वी वांट टू बी विद आवर लॉर्ड इन कैलाश इन प्रशांति निलयम सो दिस इज अ वेरी पावरफुल टूल यू नो एंड थैंक्स टू ऑल द इमेजेस दैट हैव बीन पेंटेड बाय ऑल द ग्रेट आर्टिस्ट्स वी कैन ब्रिंग दैट इन फ्रंट ऑफ अस while the bhajan is going on it's a very powerful technique i use it a lot and you know i keep doing this this is my favorite pa- time pass <laughs> past time i keep yeah. making ppts like this for different bhajans uh, you know so that it helps us to visualize better okay dear listeners we have come to the end of part 2 and let's see in part 3 what are the other techniques that we can learn so saram to you all see you next week jagadodharana
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.